Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 136. As always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in part with the House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. And ladies and gentlemen, the band's back together. The four horsemen's back. We got myself, the host, Peyton Burton. We got Josh Burton. We got Corey Dexter. And he is back, ladies and gentlemen. Phil Dexter, what's going on, everybody? You said Corey Dexter. Corey, I didn't yeah, know you Yeah, apparently Corey's my brother now. Hey, listen, man. I'm we sorry. Got two no, leave us a page, man. You still can't get anything right. Shut up. Don't talk to me about getting white, <laughs> Mr. I paid Kansas to lose. Kiss my ass. <laughs> He's a Louisville fan. Uh, Can we expect anything less? Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it's going from the guy wearing Louisville over there. And he's got 77 teams. Or Peyton, it might be up to 78 right now, right? It's about to be 79 if y'all keep talking shit. Whoever Illinois plays <laughs> this week, I'm going to pick against them. <laughs> Every um, time they add another team to D1, Peyton gets to add another favorite team. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's it. It's going to keep on going up every week. Peyton's going to root for – I don't know if they're D3 or D2, but I know this upcoming week or weekend that Chicago State plays some St. Xavier team. I think they're like a D2 or D3. So Peyton can root for uh, St. Xavier. St. Xavier is uh, an NAIA team. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Y'all leave me the hell alone, okay? Listen, hey, how about, how about me rocking a pitchers and catchers report here in the next week? How about – I mean, I'm going to get my heart broken like my other teams, but uh, go Reds. Barry Larkin, this, batting jersey. They'll be in the same place as uh, Milan. Oh. Yeah, oh. Kentucky. Hey, we'll get into all that. But Peyton, this is your show. Take over. <laughs> Yeah, real quick, you know, I got my Louisville gear on. Josh, you got your Reds gear on. Corey, as always, has his IU gear on. Phil, what the hell are you wearing? Uh, I mean, I have, like, a trippy mushroom shirt on. <laughs> aren't you, <laughs> and, uh, aren't you um, a Boston Celtics fan? Yeah, I don't ever wear Celtics. I hate the color green, even though I'm a Celtics fan and a Packer fan. That's... Oddly enough, though, you will probably well, not ever see me in any well, Packer hey... or Celtics stuff. It makes sense, though. He's wearing the trippy mushrooms in support of our guy Aaron Rodgers going on his four-day hideout. Oh, don't even get me started. Hell on yeah, that. the four-day like go. silence quest or darkness quest or whatever it, the fuck it is. In yeah. pitch black, dude. I would lose my mind. I would oh, lose yeah. my I mean, mind. I think that's the point: is like to lose your mind and you start like hallucinating and shit, and then I don't know. Aaron Rodgers what is a fucking weirdo. What he's doing, I know this is kind of starting off the rails, which is fine because that's what we do and it's entertaining, but. I think he, what he's doing is going in four days of darkness to prepare himself to go to the New York Jets is what he's doing. Probably. It's probably exactly what he's doing. I'll tell you what, I'd rather do that than watch the, this year's Louisville team lose every fucking game every day and week, so I'd rather do that. But anyways, There's let's one, keep Corey. There's let's one. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's go. Put, put it on the board. Yeah, we, we need an <laughs> F-word counter for Peyton. We're trying to limit him here. That's only one. Listen, last week I only had, like, I think two. Uh, like two, a whole hour, yeah. So we're getting yeah. a little bit better. Who cares? We're three minutes into the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three minutes in and he's already halfway yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the episode. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
moving on, let's uh, we got some interesting stuff uh, later on in the show. We're gonna do our first like conference draft. Start with the best conference in college basketball this year, Big Twelve Conference. Going to do a little bit of draft. That'll be later on in the show. But first, let's get into talking to some about these games that's happened uh, this week. And so far, the biggest game of the week. Once again, I feel like it's every damn week. It involves my Kansas Jayhawks because. It's not an easy road in the Big 12. They go into Monday night in Allen Fieldhouse and take down the Longhorns of Texas, 88-80. to And, Corey, I'm going to bring it to you because you picked Texas to win this game, and I don't know why you did, but you did, and you end up being wrong like usual, Josh. He's always wrong on shit like this. But if I, I'm going to put it to you guys like this. Corey, if I told you in this game that Jalen Wilson had two points – and Kansas won by eight. What would you tell me right now? I would tell you it was a, a 46-43 game like Tennessee-Auburn <laughs> because nobody else has been supporting Jalen Wilson. Um, but, no, I mean, <laughs> Kansas finally got the support they needed from other people stepping up, and, you know, Jalen Wilson <laughs> shown that he is human also. Um, but, no, it's just I never would have guessed – but in my wildest imagine that Kansas still wins this game. Yeah, Jalen Wilson had two points. He's been averaging like 25 in the last like five games, I believe. He's been going insane. He came in very cold. Hey, Texas, what's up? Hold on. I just want to say one thing. I'm not the only one that's wrong because Josh over here has said numerous times that no matter what, Jalen Wilson will always account for his 25 to 35. And no matter what, we'll always score. So Hold let's just let's just go off and say, like, you know, not everybody's hey. always right. Well, and you're very correct on that. But I, I do think, though, on the law of averages, I am right. He's just about every night that he's shown between 25 and 35 points is what he's going to give. And as far as the Kansas win, like, this is the most – I would be willing to say this is the most impressive Kansas win all season. And I know it's at home, but taking a fact that they've been struggling, I, I know they've had to get right with Kentucky, Kansas State, but they've been losing more more than what you would expect, I guess. And they absolutely needed this to stay in the thick of the Big 12 race, Phil. Um, with the win now, the, tight, the race tightens up because we talked about it on Sunday that should they lose this game and Texas has a two-game advantage over them, that I don't know if Kansas could rally with so few games left to come back and win the conference or at least a share of it. But now with the win, Texas is still in the lead, but they're eight and three. And then you have Kansas, Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas State all at seven and four. One game separates the top five in this conference. Um, Phil, to me, this is probably the most impressive Kansas win because they A, needed it, and B, as Peyton mentioned, Jalen Wilson only scored two points and they got role players desperately that need they needed to step up they stepped up in this game well and not only that but then you overcome a big marcus Carr performance he goes for 29 timmy allen has a good game um serge Abari rice is knocking down shots like he's always doing so you know texas was kind of hitting i don't want to say on all cylinders but pretty close to hitting on all cylinders and kansas was still able to overcome it with a not great performance out of jalen wilson so i think that's actually what makes it even more impressive um I still like Kansas to edge ahead of Texas for the conference title. I just think Kansas overall has been more consistent throughout the year, but it's it's going to be a great race down the stretch. 
Not only that, I mean, you mentioned Marcus Carr. He had 22 points in the second half. First half, he did not really play his best. He was too um, pass-heavy, I would say, instead of being the guy that's – he's been all year with going and getting buckets. He didn't do that in the first half, and I think that's why Kansas got up to like a 12-point lead at one point, 14-point lead. He was up 30 to 16 at one point. That's because he was just looking to pass too much. He wasn't, he wasn't aggressive offensively. And second half, that changed. Like the, the gears flipped, and he started going and getting buckets, and he rolled this team back in. What hurt Texas in the first half is they had 10 turnovers in the first half. Kansas was forcing a lot of turnovers, and that allowed Kansas to get out and run and get some points off of those turnovers. We had 18 points off turnovers. But the biggest thing for Kansas, I mean, Phil, I don't know if you listened to Sunday's episode, but I brought out a stat about DeWan Harris and how important he is offensively for this team. In DeWan Harris's career at Kansas, since he came to Kansas, Kansas is now 18-0 when DeWan Harris scores 10 or more points. And he had 17 in this game. So DeWan Harris was aggressive, got some buckets, and I think the bench play was incredible. Jordan Yesfu came off, had 14 points. Well, um, let, let me... Uday had six points. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick, I, you, you mentioned Yesfu. I was actually going to bring that up to you guys. I... This is we we've talked about it, me you and Phil especially over the last basically two years now since he transferred in that this is a guy that came in from Drake as a scorer and he's not really done that at Kansas and up until here lately, you know the last week has been big for him because his minutes are getting more, his involvement's getting more. You look at Kansas State last week, five points, nothing to write home about, but he got on the score sheet after going scoreless for the the last four prior to that. Then he has eight points in the loss to Iowa State over the weekend, 14 against Texas. He hadn't scored 14 points since he went back-to-back earlier in the year against Tennessee and Texas Southern. This is a guy, fellas, that if he can get going and play with confidence, this is a game-changer for Kansas off the bench because it gives them an experienced scorer-slash-shooter that they can help alleviate some of the pressure off of Jalen Wilson. I think if Yesifu continues to get you know, 9 to 14, 15 points a game, this really helps change this Kansas as a um, whole identity, in my opinion. And, Corey, you mentioned it Sunday about Grady Dick and how he hasn't been performing, like shooting the ball well in the last couple of games. Well, he came out and responded to that because he had 21 points, 7-11 from the field. He's the only guy who hit any sort of three-pointers for our team. We was 2 of 10. He was 2 of 3 from the three-point line. And he just looked like the guy that we saw about a month ago when he was just lighting teams up. And uh, Grady Dick, I mean, I think he heard what you said Sunday because he responded to your uh, challenge to him, and he came out and balled out in this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was the biggest thing that, you know, we had mentioned was Grady Dick was just continuing to score under a season average and continued to struggle. And Kansas just didn't have any anybody else step up. Grady Dick finally has the game that we needed out of him. He goes off for 21. And what's amazing is, is Kansas puts up 88 points on two of 10 shooting, like you said. I mean, Grady Dick is two for three and nobody else even, you know, hit a three was 0 for 7 from the floor. So, uh, just with that, you know, uh, Kansas Kansas was able to withhold the you know tight run from Texas towards the end, and was able to pick up a huge win. That's you know tremendous. And before we move on to another game, I just want to talk about something real quick. Talk about Texas. Let's talk about Rodney Terry because Matt Payne, in my opinion, is the front runner to win National Coach of the Year. Um, there's other guys like Jerome Tang and TJ Altenberger from Iowa State who deserve to be in the running for that. But to me, Matt Payne is number one. However, 
what Ronnie Taylor, I don't think there's a better coach who's done a better coaching job in the country than what Ronnie Taylor is doing right now with Texas. If it weren't for the first half turnovers, Texas very well could have won this game and still been up two games on the rest of the Big 12 Conference. Give the man the job. It's time. Give the man the job. What else he has to do? He's up one game in the toughest conference in college basketball. What he's had to overcome from this whole Chris Beard situation to keep the team running, an experienced team like that, to keep the team to buy into what he's believing and what he's trying to do for this Texas squad, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. What does he have to do? Does he have to run, go, go? Does he have to win the Big 12? Does he have to win the Big 12 tournament? What else does he have to do for him to get the job? Give the man the job, and that's my opinion on that. Thoughts so, on that? I'm glad you said something about that because I think, you know, just about any other job in the country, Rodney Terry would have been promoted by now. 100%. But unfortunately, with, you know, the rich donors at Texas that you have to impress and all that good stuff, like you ask what he has to do, he's going to have to win the Big 12. He's probably going to have to make at least an Elite Eight run. Otherwise, they these alums are going to want to bring in a big, you know, splash name. Here's my response to that on him having to win the Big 12. You know when the last time Texas has won the Big 12, or at least won a share of the Big 12? 2008. That was when Rick Barnes were there. And they ran Rick Barnes off to Tennessee. They ran Shaka Small out of Texas to go to Marquette and look what he's doing now. I mean, why are we comparing him to a history of coaches that have no history of really winning anything at Texas? They don't have no history of winning national titles. They don't have history of going to Final Fours. Since well, when did Texas... Oh, okay, okay, one, that's fine. But when did Texas become this blue bug to where making the NCAA tournament isn't good enough? Well, here's why. It's not that they're a blue blood... Per se, it's because, like Phil mentioned, they've got huge donors. They're one of the richest schools, athletic-wise, in college basketball, and they're about to make I the think transition. They are the richest. Yeah, yeah, and they're about to make the transition to the SEC, which is the richest conference in all of uh, college, collegiate athletics. So it's not necessarily that they're uh, you have blue blood standards. It is you want to be in the right position going to the SEC to hit the ground running. But I'm with you. I think Rodney Terry needs a hard look because it's not very often, guys, that we see an interim coach take over a program like Texas that was really good before he officially took over and continue the ball rolling. He's done a tremendous job. And I would very, at the very least, he would have to get very strong consideration for me if I was um, the um, uh, athletic director, Conte. Yeah. But oh, here's a, go ahead, Phil. I was just going to say, we've talked about how big of an advantage the Moody Center has been this year, and that's one of the other reasons that these donors and alum want another, you know, big-name coach is they just spent $400 million to build a brand-new state-of-the-art basketball arena. So I think Rodney De Terry deserves the job. I'm just not sure that it, they're going to settle for anything less than, you know, a huge, huge splash of a hire. Here's what I would do. I'd give him the job. I'd make the buyout really low, so that way if you start to not having really good years, if you start missing the tournament, then guess what? You don't have to worry about it. You can cut him in a couple of years, and the buyout's really low. That way you can buy him out because you're Texas, and you mentioned the richest school in college basketball or just in college sports in general. But I don't know. I think the man deserves a job. Corey, what do you think? No, 100%. You know, you and I talked about it previous to the show, and it's like, you know, Texas wants to have this, you know, big big name hire, but really they've turned over so many coaches here recently and they just don't have the rich history to really bring in somebody. And on top of that, in my opinion, there's not anybody that's going to just absolutely want to come to Texas. 
just because they are show are, are so short tempered. I mean, you look at football, you look at baseball, you look at basketball. I mean, you kind of talk about the three big men sports, and it's like they just haven't lived up to what Texas athletics used to be, and they continue to try and act like they are. And I mean, you know, they compete, but it's like they just don't win when it comes down to the time. And I just don't think that, you know, they're going to get the big name higher that they think they should. And unfortunately for them, I just don't see them as being the, the enticing job that they want to be. I like the idea that you mentioned of a potentially a smaller contract with a smaller buyout. So that way, if like maybe this year was a fluke and next year it's like kind of gotten bad, then you can part ways then. But at least give him the opportunity. Just give him a chance. I mean, no one else in the country is going to be able to do what he's done so far with really taking over this uh, team after so much drama in the program. But that's just my opinion. I'm on the fan club with Roddy Terry. Give the man a chance and let's see what he does. Anyhow, Corey, let's stick with you. Your boys, Indiana, knocked off uh, Rutgers on Tuesday, 66-60. to uh, In a similar hall, this game was very close. Talk to me about it. Yeah, no, Indiana came out and lit it up from the floor again uh, for back-to-back games in the first half, came out and uh, started to put it on a very good Rutgers team again. Um, you know, Rutgers clawed back. They hit the three ball extremely well, closed it down uh, towards the half. I think they were, what, 6 of 11 uh, for three-point from the first half. Uh, it was really good uh, run to end it. Uh, Indiana Canada came out, uh, continued to put the pressure on, uh, Assembly Hall was rocking again. Uh, TJD had a huge game. Had what twenty? What was it? Twenty one and eighteen. Uh, twenty and eighteen. Twenty and eighteen. So I mean, had a huge game out of him. Trey Galloway stepped up in a few places. Uh, kind of shown a, a little bit of a bad side of uh, Jalen Hood Sofino again of a bad shooting night. Uh, I think he was two of seven from the floor. But overall, uh, you know, just a huge game out of you know Indiana again. To, to knock off Rutgers on the road. I mean, especially after the, the taking the loss up there and the uh, uh, up at Rutgers and then having them come into Assembly Hall to take a nice win, so it was huge. Talking about Jalen Hitchafino, how about that one play you did in transition, a little Ooh. behind the back, a little reverse, threw it up to the moon and back and came down and nothing but net. How about that play? That play was ridiculous, but Josh, I mean, TJD had one of those nights again, 20 points, 18 boards, 6 assists. Uh, Miller Cop, 18 points as well. IU played well enough to win this game, and I figured it'd be some sort of a trap game coming off of that big win against Purdue, but they held home court and able to get the job done. You know what the most impressive thing was is they they jumped Rutgers early and they had them down by 14, the 30 to 16, and Rutgers fought and clawed their way back in. You had the Swedish kid, uh, Palmquist, hitting three threes in the first half for nine points. That's what he ended the game with. But they fought back, and Indiana did not wilt like they would have in previous years. They kept their composure and was able to stay out in front the rest of the way and secure a big-time win, which, by the way, puts them in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten. This Indiana team, with the confidence they're playing in, the they have not only is an All-American, but he is closing the gap. He's not going to catch Edie. We've mentioned this, but he is doing his damnedest to close the gap on the National Player of the Year race. TJD is phenomenal. Uh, you mentioned Hood Shafino, not his greatest game outside the one highlight, but man, Miller Cop was great. 18 points, four of six from the three-point line, and he continued to play hard, being an on-the-floor leader um, with one possession. He turned the ball over, sprinted back, back-tipped it from uh, whoever it was from Rutgers to force a turnover for Indiana to go the other way to get a transition bucket. 
Indiana is playing with an unreal amount of confidence right now. They've moved up in most bracketology to a four line now. Indiana continues to play this way. They're going to get Xavier Johnson back before the end of the year. As long as he integrates and doesn't break up this chemistry they have. Don't want to go too crazy, Phil, but Indiana has the makings of a team that not only can make the second weekend, but could make a final four with the way that they are playing right now. Yeah, they're they're getting hot at the right time of the year. And I think that's, you know, we talk about that a lot, that you can have a great first two months of the season, but if you cool off at the end of the year, it doesn't matter. We All we give teams credit for is, you know, NCAA tournament success. And you see that with a team we're going to talk about in a second. You know, North Carolina had so much tournament success last year high expectations this year but you know if they're able to get Xavier Johnson back and get him assimilated into the lineup as well working with all this I think that Indiana yeah could very easily make final four I gotta wait and see where they are at when Xavier Johnson comes back and how he uh see if he's a good Xavier again like he was before he got injured but I think I agree with you, Josh. I think if Xavier comes back, if he's any sort of what he was before he got injured, I think IU has the making of making a Final Four this year because it's the way they defend. They hit some shots, and they got a Player of the Year candidate in TJD. Hats off to Indiana. Got the revenge game against Rutgers. Phil, you just mentioned it. Listen, man, it's been a while since we've heard you talk shit about North Carolina. <laughs> well, I want to hear it now. I want you to go in because Wake Forest, 92-85, to 85, Wake Forest comes up with a victory. Dude, Caleb Love shot 25 shots. The second amount of shots shot on the team was R.J. Davis at 12. He shot 13 more shots than anyone on the team. What the hell? I mean, they were down 22 at the half, so it, it they made a little bit of a comeback in the second half, and you got to give Caleb Love some of the credit for that. But at that point, you know, they were just sort of letting him jack up whatever he wanted to. But I don't even really want to talk about Carolina. I want to give credit to Wake Forest here. Tyree Appleby goes for 35 23 for 28 from the line, just attacking the basket at will. You know, Carolina is normally the team that gets the benefit of the whistle, and they say they just, you know, they play physical, attacking style of basketball, and that's exactly what Wake Forest did to them. Um, Wake Forest is a bubble team right now. They need every win they can get. I mean, honestly, they might need to go 6-1, and 7-0 and down the stretch here to even have a chance. They're going to have a very similar resume to what they had last year, but Back to Carolina, I guess, you know, they're, they might be out of the tournament right now. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but they don't look like a tournament team. Then you have the alleged drama between, you know, yeah, RJ Davis wild. and Caleb Love, which would explain them not getting along the best. But you mentioned how poorly Caleb Love shot. RJ Davis didn't shoot the ball well in this game. Four for 12, 0 for 4 from 3. Pete Nance, 0 for 2 from 3. Baycott shoots less than 50%, even though he has a double-double in foul trouble again, fouls out. Just there's no consistency. And you heard after the game, Baycott supposedly called his teammates out and said, anybody that doesn't want to be here can fucking quit. And that's probably what they need to hear, but I'm just not sure that they have the talent to turn it around. Like I said, they were so highly rated based off of a hot run from last year. This yeah. isn't a team that brought in a top recruit. It's not a team that turned over a bunch. I mean, they're basically the exact same team that struggled last year. And real quick, Peyton, I'm sorry. I'm glad you said brought up the Baycott quote because I was going to if you didn't. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's great leadership on his behalf, but it's not going to matter if it goes in one in or out the other because let's say – and we're not picking on Caleb Love, but, man, it's just like – He's, I don't know, just, I'm just going to put it out there. It's like, he's out there playing for himself. 
not for the team. So he could say like, oh yeah, I want to be here, but continue doing the same stuff. Something is like you mentioned, not right with North Carolina. They obviously don't get stops when they need to, you know, give up 92 points to Wake Forest. Uh, They're chaotic at best on offense. It really relies on Carolina wins games if they have one of their guys get red hot like a Love or Davis or Baycott. But if they don't have somebody go absolutely insane like they did in the tournament last year, they ain't winning. And you mentioned about the tournament resume. I know we're going to talk real briefly about Kentucky here in a minute, but um, it's looking more and more like we might get the best Dayton first round show of all time between North Carolina and Kentucky in a play-in game. Yeah, that would be absolutely nuts if we get that but the thing is about Carolina look at the schedule they got some quad one uh wins left on their schedule I mean they got February 13th they play um home against Miami they go at NC State on the 19th they still got Virginia at home they got that wee match with Duke at the end of the season so that's at least four, four quad one wins right there as far as Wake Forest I mean they got a couple left they got uh at Miami February 18th and then at uh, NC State on February 22nd and the other things, and they got like Boston College and day, and they got a very winnable schedule to end the season. They got six games left. I think Wake Forest can sneak in the tournament, but, but hey, North real Carolina. Quick, real, real quick, Peyton, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did want to bring up that the newest on Ken Palm, you know how they do the conference rankings, the ACC seventh now. Jesus. They're behind the Mountain West and the Pac 12. They are seventh. And that doesn't bode well for a Carolina or some of these other ACC bubble teams because the conference is not very good this year. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, because, you know, Peyton meant Carolina does have some big games on their schedule, but can we trust them to even go no. two and two in those games? I mean, no. if they if they don't go three and one in those games, even they're sweating it out on Selection Sunday. And if they hypothetically if they miss their tournament, what's your opinion on Huber Davis and his job security in North Carolina? Because let's face it, they've had one great month and since he's been there, one That's great month. Point. Um, so where, like, if he doesn't make the tournament, his thing, if there any, like, just like Kentucky, we'll get to them later, and like I said Sunday, if North Carolina, Kentucky, is there anywhere close to the bubble, they're most likely going to get in just because of the name value. Um, so either they're all the way in or they're all the way out. But if they lose majority of their games, which they definitely can do, and they miss the tournament, what's your guys' opinion on Hubert Davis and his job security at North Carolina? I'll say this real quick. I think that he's obviously on the hot seat next year. Um, if they miss the tournament this year, or if they do make tournament and flame out in the play-in or first round, he is absolutely under the microscope next year. Like he has to look kind of like Jeff Capel and Brad Brunell and a lot of guys we've talked about this year who's had bounce backs. If they f- screw this up this year, he's under the microscope all next year with firing in his uh, purview. Well, Peyton, you mentioned that they've only really had one great month, you know, since he's been the coach, but Let's go back to that Baylor game in the tournament last year. If they lose that game, coupled with what they're doing right now this year, he might be on the hot seat right now. I mean, so it wasn't even about that month. I mean, that game really changed the, the, you know, kind of feeling around his tenure so far. But I agree with Josh, you know, going into next year, unless they make another magical tournament run, and even then I think people are going to be looking at him with some skepticism, he's going to be on pins and needles next year in sort of a a Matt Doherty type situation where it's like, yeah, you know, you're a member of the Carolina family, but we can't let this thing get too far away from us. You know, if you're a program that has three or four bad years, you're irrelevant. You're Georgetown. Yeah. 
That's something you never want to be compared to, Georgetown. Corey, what's your thoughts on all of this about North Carolina and Hubert Davis? Uh, it looks Let's like Corey might have stepped away. Well, anyways, uh, before we move on, I do want to say something real quick about North Carolina next year. They do got a great recruiting class coming in, but let's face it. They're probably going to be, unless they get some guys in the transfer portal, they're going to be young next year, and it's going to be a complete different type of uh, landscape than what they were this year. This year, the experience for most of those players are going to be gone, and now they're going to have to rely on a lot of their young players, like the team I'm getting mentioned right now that we're going to move on and talk about. Staying in Tobacco Road, Duke. Got the shit kicked out of him by Miami. 81 to 59. Jordan Miller had 16 points. No child O'Neill had 17 points. Isaiah Wong had 11. Phil, you've watched Duke a lot this season. I'm sure you was able to catch this game, or at least catch some highlights of it. Duke was down 40 to 16 at halftime. They was down 13 to 3 with the start of the game. What's your opinion on this Duke team? Because man, they can win at home and came an indoor, but when they take the show on the road, it seems they struggle a lot. Yeah, me and you talked about it before the show that, you know, they've just been like a Jekyll and Hyde team away from home. I think they're undefeated at home and then like two and seven on the road, something along those lines. And then oh, Miami specifically has been kind of a house of horrors for Duke the past couple of years. So you couple that into it. I didn't expect this performance to be this bad, but we also didn't mention the fact, you know, it's two days after the most emotional game they'll play all year long going on the road. So I, I didn't like that scheduling, but I also don't think that's an excuse to not show up and get beat by 21 points. Um, Derek Lively, to me, was kind of the only bright spot for Duke. You're really starting yeah. to see see the potential there. He goes five for six, has 11 points, six boards. I think he had like six blocks, five blocks, somewhere in that range. Um, so you're starting to see that, but they need Whitehead back. They just they need every offensive option they can get. You, you mentioned it before the year, Peyton, and obviously have uh, – Turned out to be right. I thought by this point they would have either Roach or Whitehead or somebody have emerged as that dominant ball handler, and they just haven't. To be fair, to play devil's advocate here, to defend Duke a little bit, I mean, when everyone's healthy, they've only really played 12 games when everyone's healthy. They've had a lot of injury problems, not staying healthy. So to play devil's advocate for them, they've had only like 12 games together when everyone's healthy. But Josh, talking about the scheduling, have to play two days after against going at Miami after an emotional win against North Carolina. Do you think that should have happened if Coach K was on the sidelines? Um... No, I mean, the easy answer would be no, because he would know how to navigate it. Here's the problem is, uh, I mean, they're starting four freshmen, right? Even without Whitehead, they're starting four guys. Filipowski, Lively, Mark Mitchell, Tyrese Proctor. But they always say by this point of the year, they're no longer freshmen in terms of games and should be at least. I'm looking at some of the experience guys and I mentioned it and I, I actually gave Phil a lot of credit last Sunday when we talked about their win against North Carolina. Jeremy Roach is the key to all this. Phil talked about it for early part of the year and made me a believer of it. And it's evident Jeremy Roach, 10 points in this game, four assists, five turnovers. He has to be good. You go back to Carolina, he had 17 in the first half. Like he has to be good to make up for some of the lapses and judgment that these freshmen are going to make. Um, and then the other guy, another experienced guy that I've been very hard on all year that I expect so much more out of is Jacob Grandison. Two points. The dude is a knockdown shooter. He went 0 for 3 from the field, including 0 for 2 from the three-point line. He is a dead-eye shooter coming over from Illinois. 
he has to be more involved. And I'm just not seeing it from him. And unless they get the freshmen to grow up in a hurry, the final four weeks of the season here, or and or a guy like Grandison to step up, Duke's another one of these teams that are they'll, they'll probably get in the tournament, and they could make they've got enough talent they could make a run. We see it, but they're also not consistent enough that they can get beat. But hey, I do want to give real quick some love to Miami. I mean, this team is phenomenal. Great backcourt, Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, uh, Wooga Poplar. This team is explosive, electric, 19-5 and five on the year, 10-4, and four, only a half game out of the ACC lead. Um, great job at Jim Laranega and the building of this team, NIL or not, this team is for real and another team that can make a deep run in March. Yeah, and real quick on Miami before we move on, is there a more physical player in America than Norchad Omir? No, he's only an absolute monster. And he's only six seven. Which no, is, he's like six seven, but like two fifty pure muscle. Yeah. And he just like he just throws dudes around. It yeah. well, and it and it stands out more in this conference because it's not the Big Ten or Big Twelve where it's known for physicality. This is more of like a flashy conference, and he's just like a man amongst boys. That's a great point. And Coy, moving again before we move on here. I mean, going back to Duke, it's never a good idea when your starting backcourt has five turnovers apiece. Jeremy Roach had five turnovers, and Tyrese Proctor had five turnovers as well. That's a never good sign if you want to go on the road and beat a Miami team. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, you instantly turn the ball over, have empty possessions, and it's easy for teams to start gaining momentum quickly. I mean, the fact that they had ten turnovers, you know, combined, it's like. You know, it, it just sets you up for a recipe for disaster. Um, Miami capitalized on it. I think what they have twenty what was it twenty four points off of those uh, those ten turnovers uh, alone. I think it was twenty three. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, I mean, so it's like right there, just this twenty three empty you know point swing, just to instantly kind of swing the momentum over to the other side and just set yourself up for failure of opportunities not to score the basketball. Hey, I, real quick, I know because I know we got to move on. The, the midweek show is the, the shorter show, so I will move on. But I do want to pose like we did with North Carolina. Look at the rema- Duke's remaining schedule. Virginia, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Louisville, Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, North Carolina. Some very winnable games there in the middle part of that with Notre Dame, Syracuse, Louisville, Virginia Tech. But three pretty tough games remaining. They've already got seven losses. Uh, what's the odds that Duke doesn't make the tournament here down the stretch? Zero. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think there's much of a chance. I think unless they totally shit the bed here down the stretch, yeah. they they have a, a few you know decent quality wins. The Xavier win helps them out a little bit. Um, I don't think they're quite looking at the bubble, but I mean, obviously, if they were to go one and six in those games, it's possible. Yeah, I guarantee you they win Louisville. I guarantee you that. Uh, they probably win it by 30 on that one. Uh, no matter, no matter where that game is played at. But, yeah, I agree with Phil. I think they're com- I agree with Phil and Corey. I think they're comfortably in. Unless they just shit the bed where they lose the majority of their games. I don't see a way that Duke does not get in the tournament. But hats off to Miami. I mean, Miami has a team, has a great team that money can buy. So hats off to them. Uh, let's move on to the next game. Josh, we're going to you. Kentucky, Rapalina, you're taking L. 88-73 to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Man, what's going on with Oscar Shibway, man? Um, well, he's been exposed. Uh, we've mentioned it all year. The teams are just putting him in a pick-and-roll blender, and he still can't defend it. And so the problem here is that I'm hearing from – if you listen to KSR radio show every day and different reports, is that 
it sounds like there's honestly friction between the teammates and him that he's living off campus. Everybody else is living in the Wildcat Lodge. He barely comes around. Then he makes comments at the post-game pressers, especially after losses. Like, if you don't want to fight, you don't want to, you know, you shouldn't play and all this other stuff. Something about him winning the, all those awards last year and getting all this NIL money, something has been a disconnect with him, the coaching staff. And he, I heard even John Calipari there's something going on with Oscar and his performances are obviously showing that he is struggling. And you go to this game, one of the most fun first halves I've watched all year, this game was back and forth electric, two very athletic teams going at each other. Arkansas is finally figuring it out on a hot streak. Kentucky was right there with them. And then the second half, Kentucky opened second half up with giving up uh, was six straight points to Arkansas and then yeah. never got back into the game. Uh, credit to Arkansas. Anthony Black is such a menace defensively with his uh, length and athleticism and reach. And, of course, Arkansas hit some shots they probably won't hit. But Kentucky on their end, go Arkansas does not shoot the three ball well. So what do you do? You go over the screens to guide them to the rim. Arkansas shot 28 of 42 from the field. 90% of those were at the rim for dunks and layups. Like, that's unacceptable. They got ran out the building in the second half, and it's completely unacceptable. And here's my hot take, and I've said this, and I mean this. When Kentucky goes to Georgia on Saturday, Cal won't do it because he's already after the post game making comments like, well, we didn't play Damian a lot in the second half because this is more important that Oscar gets going for the remainder of the year. That's bullshit. That is yeah, a bullshit ridiculous. line. That is terrible coaching from a Hall of Famer. And Damian Collins, his play the last couple of games, Florida, Arkansas, that kid deserves a start because he gives you something different. Oscar doesn't. He protects the rim. He's athletic. And he's a little better offensive threat. If you care about winning, and this, make no mistake, Saturday is a must win to keep your season alive. I'd start Damian Collins, and I make Oscar come off the bench, and I don't even think there's a question about it. National Player of the Year, be damned. Damian Collins gives Kentucky the best opportunity to win going forward, and Oscar just has not been good this year. Well, he hasn't been good this year because defensively, he's just a liability. I mean, you mentioned it. Anytime you get him on a ball screen action, he's always playing drop coverage. He doesn't have the – he doesn't he doesn't do the right angles. He keeps on getting caught. I mean, he doesn't drop enough to where you can – if they, someone throws an oop, he can go block it. He doesn't come up enough to where you can just stop a dribble drive. I mean – if you're going to play drop coverage, you either A, need to have a Zach Eady type to where he covers so much ground to where if you go for a float or a jump shot, he can uh, alter the shot. Or if you try to throw an oop, he can alter that as well. Or you need a guy like Damian Collins or a guy like KJ Adams who's just super athletic who can go and play drop coverage and he can get away with maybe dropping off a little bit too more. I mean, that's a he's a defensive liability, and I agree. You need to set Oscar. But, guys, I mean, Phil, the biggest grab in the second half was, I think, uh, Arkansas had 16 points on turnovers. They turned the ball. Uh, they got Kentucky to turn the ball over way too much in the second half. And a guy like Kaysen Wallace had four of those turnovers in the second half. But the Kaysen biggest, played well, though. Kaysen played well, but the biggest adjustment I've seen watching the second half is anytime he gets to the half court, they uh, Musselman would send a double team after him and speed his ass up. And that's when a lot of his turnovers came. But hats off to Arkansas, man. They deserved the win, and they went and got it done, 88 to 73. Uh, Phil, I'm going to hear their thoughts real quick. Your guys' thoughts, because yeah. I think I think Arkansas is putting it together now. They've won, like, what, six of their last eight, and they're about to get Nick Smith back. This Arkansas team's for real again. 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned it, Joss, when they shoot the ball well, which they typically don't from three, and they didn't have a ton of attempts in this one, but still go four for nine. They're tougher to beat. You know, Anthony Black was able to get his scoring going, which is typically, you know, sort of one of the things that determines whether they're going to be good. Um, if they get Nick Smith back, I think they can be similar to, you know, the team that we thought they were going to be before the year. I still think that missing Trayvon Brazil is a huge loss for them, obviously, out for the year. But your thoughts on Kentucky, I think, are spot on. I just think that, you know, you guys mentioned Oscar being a liability on defense. He's kind of a liability on offense, too, just because he has no offensive versatility. You know exactly what he's going to do every time offensively. And I think Damian Collins would be just give them a little bit more of an athletic rim runner on offense. But CJ Frederick's banged up. He's not shooting the ball well. I think he has like a broken finger or something right now. And, and busted um, ribs now. And busted oh, ribs. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I didn't see. I didn't even know about the ribs. But yeah, the, you can clearly see the finger with his shot. You know, 0 for 4, 0 for 2 from 3. I, I don't know what they can really do to fix it with this roster other than, like you mentioned, just try to make a huge change like benching Oscar and hope that that sparks the rest of the team a little bit. But you said Oscar coming off the bench. I think it might be better to just bench him all together for a couple games you know say he has a sore foot or a sore ankle or whatever it is protect him and just let him know like hey you're not bigger than this team and maybe that brings him down back to you know the guy he was last year but i think that's their only hope because it's not like they have anybody coming back from injury really or you know some freshman like last year we all hoped that you would see um sharp you know shaden sharp was supposed to be maybe the savior they don't have anybody like that this year and real quick to finish this point out, Cal has got to stop getting in his own way because they played zone three possessions against Arkansas. And yeah, they gave up offensive rebounds and he went nuts. But damn it, do something different and change this up. If you can't stop them going to the rim, then play zone and commit to it. Let them make mistakes, but play their way out of it. And in an athletic game like this, play a guy like a dude the arrow. He's going to make mistakes as a freshman, but we've seen him this year. He he continues to grow. He plays hard 100% of the time, and this is a game that fits him in an athletic type of setting. Just uh, Cal's screwing it up, getting in his own way. Oscar's hurting him. No Saviru. It's an extra point guard. This is going bad terribly right now, and I don't know what the answer is, but they better figure it out. And also, like I mentioned, credit to Arkansas because once they get Nick Smith back and he doesn't screw them up, whoa, buddy, Arkansas is going to be a dangerous, like, 8-9 seed. Dangerous. Coy, I think think it's safe to say that the best team in the state of Kentucky is probably Bellman right now. I would have to agree with you there. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, you know, and we kind of talked about it before. It's like, you know, the points of Kentucky starting to creep around the corner and all of a sudden it's like they're falling leaps and bounds backwards. And, you know. And I also kind of want to point out, you know, we we had a discussion, I think it was last year, about how good, you know, Oscar was at that point. But it was like, look at what Oscar did his, you know, his first year at West Virginia and then into the second year and what so many people talked about of what kind of, you know, what kind of dictates and what happens. And, you know, he's kind of following that same exact path with Kentucky now as well. As, you know, it came out, had a tremendous year, and then all of a sudden now he's kind of following in that same footsteps. And it's like, You know, a a lot of West Virginia fans kind of made that comment and said, hey, you know, be on the lookout for this. And and all of a sudden now Oscar's kind of doing that thing. But no, for Arkansas, they're starting to put it together. I mean, you you think of it, it takes a little bit for a a major injury and some major, you know, changeover, uh, you know, after losing, you know, a couple key components of what they thought they'd have. And, you know, they're starting to put it together. You know, you kind of look at, you know, it takes time to build around and and find out 
their identity is, and they're starting to finally get it. So they're starting to finally roll. Sticking in the SEC, Vanderbilt hits a game win against Tennessee. Down goes Rocky Top. Phil, talk to us about what the hell happened on those final couple possessions there. What a game, oh, man. Gosh. It was well, it was it. a hell of a game. It was a – as Josh just mentioned, it was like literally a back-and-forth game the entire time. Um, but, yeah, the end of the game. So Vanderbilt is like four fouls away from being in the penalty, needs to uh, get Tennessee to the free throw line so they can get the ball back. Julian Phillips has a easy breakaway dunk and passes it up and gets fouled. He doesn't end up going to the line there. They still have to foul a couple more times, but ultimately Santiago Vescovi ends up at the line for a one and one misses the front half of that. And uh, yeah, they, they lose on a three point buzzer beater, just a complete mishandling of the end of the game by Tennessee. What a play design, but Jerry Stackhouse too, and the balls to make that pass with four seconds to go. You have a wide open layup to tie it to send overtime and you have the wherewithal to look for your guy in the hammer action in the corner with that little time. Like, dude, that took some balls and to hit the shot, Tyron Lawrence. What a great game. And that is what now? Uh, Tennessee since 2000 as being a top 10 team is one in five against uh, Vandy in Nashville. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, Josh – Josh, you mentioned it Sunday about Kansas, how you don't trust them. I'm sorry. I don't trust Tennessee when it comes to March. Defensively, they're great. Offensively, like Phil mentioned about a three, four weeks ago, about a month ago. Offensively, they're just not it. They're not consistent. They don't hit shots consistently. And if it comes down to March, I'm sorry. I might, depending on what their matchup is, I could see them losing the first weekend. I absolutely could. I mean, I could. A, a team that's got offensive firepower is going to give them issues. Yeah. Team hits shots and he just helps out defensively. I think they're going to give a lot of teams, a lot, especially Tennessee, issues in March. Uh, Corey, you got any thoughts on Tennessee losing? No. Uh, you guys pretty much covered it. Stackhouse, tremendous job drawing something up. And Bandy, great job executing. I mean, they hung around the entire game. and You give a bad team confidence and they're going to make you pay. And that's exactly what happened here. Let's move on to some previews here. We got some four big games Saturday night on Saturday. Uh, start off with probably the biggest game of the day, uh, our game of the day and our weekly pick games. got number 12-ranked Baylor going at number 20-ranked TCU. I'll keep it like this. TCU is struggling right now. If Mike Miles is not back, then they're just going to continue to struggle. They got bitched around by Kansas State. We didn't talk about that one, but they got bitched around by them. I think Baylor's going to do the same thing. Baylor wins this game. Too much guard play for them. Baylor wins, I think, 78-69. to um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with you. I just, TCU's kind of falling off the map right now. Mike Miles being injured. And um, they're out of the conference as far as winning the conference title race goes. Baylor still has a chance. They've got to win this to keep pace. And, yeah, I, I don't – Baylor's – their backcourt's too good. And with Jonathan Chamwe-Chachwa coming back, that gives them added depth. Baylor in a runaway in this one. I, I go a 15-point spread. I think uh, Baylor's hitting their stride right now. I think they're a team to watch for the uh, national title conversation. They sort of fell out of their middle of the season, but I, I really like them, and I think they win this one big. As Peyton mentioned, I don't think Mike Miles will be back. I don't think TCU has enough firepower to keep up, and uh, Baylor 80-60. to 60. I think uh, TCU continues their lose. Our loss streak of kind of falling apart down the end are down towards this last end. Uh, they're eliminated from the Big 12, and I think they're eliminated from winning this game. I think Baylor has way too much guard play. I think uh, I think they take the win. I think it's going to be about a 18-point win. 
So sweet for us. Moving on, we got a bit. We got an SEC battle. We got number three ranked Alabama going into at Auburn. Um, anyone want to start this off first? Yeah, I'll take this because Alabama just throttled Florida in the first half. Put up fifty. Was it fifty-two or fifty-three points? Brandon Miller hit a step back. He'd already hit a couple shots in a row. Step back, like just pull up jumper on Colin Castleton. Nothing but the bottom. Alabama's the best team in the country overall right now, and I will stand by that. I've said it for a couple weeks. I believe that despite the Oklahoma loss. Purdue fans. Don't care. They can get over it because Alabama, the way they score the basketball, and they've got two rim protectors down low and Bidiaco and um, I just saw Clowney. Clowney, thank you. And they've got a top-tier goat bucket getter and Brandon Miller. Alabama can win the national title. They're the best offensive team in college basketball. Despite what analytics say, they can put numbers on you in a hurry and they get out in transition. Alabama wins this and wins this convincingly because what are Auburn's small guards going to do against Alabama's NBA size? Alabama wins this in a high-scoring game because both teams will score. Um, Alabama wins this 95-81. to Yeah, I'm with you, Josh. I think Alabama puts a ton of points on the board. We've talked about Brandon Miller being the best freshman in the country. I think it's at this point, you know, in the conversation of whether he's the best player in the country. And I think he shows out in this game, has a big performance, and uh, Alabama 95-78. I'm going to make it really simple and really quick. Alabama shoots the lights out. Alabama scores the basketball, and Auburn just doesn't have enough firepower to keep up with it. I think uh, I think Alabama is another tremendous game. 85 plus. I'm going to take uh, an 88 to uh, 74 victory. I don't know how many points Auburn's going to score, but it doesn't matter. Alabama's going to put up some numbers. Matter of fact, they're going to score over 100 points for, I think, the fifth time this season. Alabama beats the shit out of Auburn. Whatever the scoreline is, 103 to, I don't know, like 70 or something. Alabama wins. Best offense in the country, like Josh mentioned. Moving on, Big East Clash. We got number 24-ranked Connecticut going at number 23-ranked Creighton. Coy, I'm going to start with you. Who wins this game? I think uh, I think Creighton's just continuing to get better. Uh, you know, they're what an eight-loss team, and they're just continuing to roll. Uh, UConn, we kind of mentioned it's in a bad spot. They came out and got a, a huge win over what Marquette the other night. Uh, but I still, I still don't have complete faith in them. I think Creighton wins this one at home. Uh, I think they're going to uh, pull away a little bit late with some foul shots, some things. But I think overall they take the win by around eight points, eight nine points, seventy, seventy four, uh, sixty six. I'll put it this way. Creighton's won seven in a row, and they are starting to get red hot. That whole, Ever since uh, Kalkbrenner came back, they have been a completely different team. Baylor Shireman last night in the win against Seton Hall, 19 points. If he starts scoring the basketball like we know he can, it makes them even more dangerous. Creighton is playing as well as anybody and looks like the team we thought they were preseason and what we've seen out in Maui. Creighton wins this game despite UConn getting a big win like Phil or uh, like Corey mentioned against Marquette the other night. Creighton wins this game fairly convincingly at home. Um, I, I've got them by like 10 points. Yeah, I think Creighton overwhelms them, especially in the front court. Cockburn will be back. I really like this Creighton team, and they're starting to get the right pieces at the right time. Creighton wins this game 82 to 69. Have, have real quick, too, Phil. Uh, Creighton's only a half game, or sorry, a game out of the conference lead now. They are. They're right back in the uh, right back in the conference race. But uh, I'm going to go against you guys here. I think UConn, you know, has the physicality up front that even with Kalkbrenner back is going to give Creighton problems. And uh, I like UConn to take it 
75-72, tight, tough game. I like it. Going to the ACC, we got Duke going at number nine, Virginia. Uh, Duke really needs to win this game to really get momentum back. But going at Virginia is going to be tough. Defensively, I think Virginia is going to do what they need to do to win this game. Uh, Virginia wins this game in a low scoring. Uh, I think about 69 to 63. Virginia wins. Phil? Yeah, I think Duke's eventually going to figure it out on the road. I just don't think it's going to be in Charlottesville against the top 10 team with, you know, a banged up Derek Whitehead back if he even does play at all. I like Virginia 65-59 ugly game. Yeah, I'm with you about the same scoreline. Duke's not playing well on the road. This is not a good place to get right at. I don't even think they crack 60. So I'm going Virginia in a, a very low scoring game, 62 to 49. I don't even I said 60, I don't even know if they'll crack 50. 62-49 Virginia. I say, there's one huge thing that you guys said. It's not at Cameron Indoor, um, you know, which just truly just speaks volumes of, you know, Duke doesn't play well on the road. Um, you know, I think Virginia absolutely runs away with this one. I don't think Duke has any kind of power power, firepower on the road. Uh, I think, you know, I'm right there with you, Josh. Uh, I'll give him 53, though. Wow, how generous of you to give Duke 53 points. Uh, moving on, though. Uh, let's go ahead and do this, since Corey insists that we talk about these Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, Indiana goes out Michigan Saturday night. Um, TJD versus Hunter Dickinson. Coy, who wins, and why does IU win by how many points are you going to say? Uh, you know, Indiana's starting to figure it out. Indiana's starting to get better uh, at home and on the road. Uh, they're finally, what, 3-6 and six right now. Uh, which still isn't great, but, you know, moving into second place, I think, you know, TJD's added a whole new element to the game of kind of stepping out, catching the ball on the wing and attacking. Um, you know, I just don't think Michigan has enough to compete across the board. Uh, I will go with Indiana taking the win, 76-71. Uh, I like. I think TJD wins the matchup against Hunter Dickinson. I think Indiana wins the matchup overall. Indiana goes out in Michigan and wins this game. I think eighty-one to seventy. I'll keep the Indiana train short and sweet. I, I love the way they're playing. They obviously have to take care of the basketball on the road here because Michigan's playing for their tournament life. But Michigan's super inconsistent. If they can get Jet Howard and um, Kobe Bufkin to play well to help out Dickinson, then they def they definitely can win this game. But I like Indiana. I like the confidence they're playing with. You mentioned Jet Howard. I think he goes off for a big game in this one, but I think Indiana overcomes it because I just think TJD is going to have his way with Hunter Dickinson, who's an absolute cock face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Indiana, big. And I, never mind. I was going to say something, but never mind. Yeah, I'd shut up if I was you. Uh, we all sweep up with Indiana. That's the end of the previews. Now let's end it. We're talking about the – we got to do a Big 12 draft, first draft, first conference draft of the season, talking about the Big 12 conference, the best conference in college basketball, and how this is going to go. The order, Corey's going to go first, Phil second, Josh third. I'm going to go last since I went first on our Duke draft that we did about last season. Um, and it's going to be snake style. So, Corey, your number one pick is <laughs> – I'm going to change it up on you. I'm going uh, Marquise Knoll out of Kansas State. Ooh, okay. All right. Phil? Well, I'm glad that uh, when he switched it up, he didn't take my guy because I'm probably switching it up from where everybody else would go here too. I'll take Keontae George from uh, Butler. 
Okay, Josh. Or Butler, Baylor, excuse me. Um, well, I, the consensus says I should take Jalen Wilson, but I'm not going to because I'm going to take my guy, <laughs> Keontae Johnson. I just, I love the story. He's playing well. I'll take Keontae Johnson in my backcourt. Okay, I did not, me and Corey talked about this before the show, I did not expect Jalen Wilson to be available. What the hell are y'all doing? Jalen Wilson, the best player in the Big 12 Conference, come home to me. Jalen Wilson, my number one pick, and I get to go again. So let's go ahead and get the best point guard in the country, best point guard in the league. Let's go ahead and get another pair of Jayhawks, Dewan Harris as my point guard. Well, I'll see your Dewan Harris, and I'll take Marcus Carr, baby. Give me a Marcus Carr and Keontae Johnson backcourt. Phil? Phil, you're up. I think I'm going to go with Kevin O'Banner here. There's, uh, there's not a ton of size in the Big 12. I like the versatility O'Banner brings. Can shoot from the outside a little bit, too. So I go Kevin O'Banner here. Uh, all right. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the charts, go into Oklahoma and go uh, Grant Sherfield. Oh, that's a good pick. I like that. You now got another you're... pick here. I wasn't ready for that. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got me ready now. Yeah, I know. All right, all right. Uh, let's see here. Going, uh, I'm going to go uh, stay in Oklahoma and go to Oklahoma State and go with uh, 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 Sissy or Sissy. Musa Sissy? Yeah, sissy. I can't even sissy. talk that Sissy. <laughs> you big sissy. <laughs> Phil? I can't even talk right now. I'll add another uh, member of the Baylor backcourt, and I'll take Adam Flagler. I've already made my mind up that I'm going to have a small team that's going to press the shit out of you and try to outscore you. I mean, I'll have a good defensive, but... So with that being said, I gotta go to Press Virginia, baby, for a wing player. Give me Emmett Matthews, six seven on the wing that can defend and score. A two way player? Oh my God! You pair him up with Marcus Carr and uh, Keontae Johnson. Hell yeah, son, Emmett Matthews. All right, I'm gonna need more of a scoring guard to team up with Dwayne Harris. So let me get man, Phil, you're an asshole. I was really hoping I was get Flagler, but let me go Damian Ball from TCU. Nice. And then back to you, Peyton. Pick four. Pick four. Oh, shit. I need a center. Let me get a guy who can stretch it out hit some shots. Let me go Tanner Gross. Oh, uh, you fucking damn it. That's who is going to be next. <laughs> Suck it. Damn you. That's who I was taking. Um, Again, I'm just going to play small and athletic. Um, with that being said, uh, he can play at three or four, him and Emmett Matthews. They might have to play five in this lineup. But I'm going to go Timmy Allen at 6'6", a shot-making guy, good defender. Uh, you know what? We'll keep, Like I said, I'm going to press shit out of everybody. So, Timmy Allen. Uh, kind of surprised he's here, unless I just spaced out for a second and somebody actually picked him. But uh, I think he slots into the three nicely for me. Grady Dick. Ooh, oh, there you go. Shit, yeah. He's available. I was like, I was sitting here as I was about to pick him, and I'm like, did somebody not pick? Like, I, I don't know. I no, was, that was going to be my next pick, but damn it, you're a dickhead for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is it, Coy? You get two yeah, picks here. Me. Oh no, you yeah. get one actually. No, he gets two. It'll be his uh, what his last two here. Oh yeah, yeah. Chill. four yeah. and five. Yeah. Um, man, go ahead. I'm gonna take. Uh, 
another little bit of size and go uh, Caleb Boone. Okay. And then who's who rounds your team out here? Uh, I believe he's still available, Eric Stevenson. Oh, from West Virginia. I like it. Yeah, another, uh, another Mountaineer off the board. Phil? Last thing I need for my team is a, a big man down low. And again, a little surprised he's here unless I'm just, you know, tripping. But Osun Asuniyi, if that's how you even say his name, from Iowa State, uh, can protect the rim a little bit, can rebound, good length, versatility. Versatility is the thing I'm big on, and I think we got a lot of it in this lineup. So I said – I like that pick, by the way. Um, I, I said that I, I'll go small, and technically I still am because he is very undersized for post position. But it came down between three guys. I could go real small and just spread you out in modern basketball because I was thinking between a guy like Gabe Kalsher or uh, Caleb Grill from Iowa State. But I'm going to give a little interior play who can protect the rim, super athletic, that goes with my pressing style. K.J. Adams is my last guy. Nice. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I need a small forward here. I need a guy who can play in the wing. You can hit some shots. Um, Jalen Wilson, he's been lights out here from three, but I really want to turn him into a driver and not have to have him rely so much on hitting shots for us. So let me go to Iowa State. Let me go with Jalen Holmes from Iowa State. The dude's shooting about 38% from three. Lights out. He's killing it this year for Iowa State. Big player for them. So Jalen Holmes will round out my team. I like it. I like it. Good teams, man. My team, I would love this team in real life. You, I'd be so undersized, but, I mean, you talking about Marcus Carr, Keontae Johnson, uh, Emmett Matthews, Timmy Allen, and K.J. Adams, boy. We might not get a lot of rebounding, but we're going to press the shit out of you, defend, and score. If you had to add a sixth man, who would it be? Oh. Corey, you want to go first on that? Just keep in the same order? Uh, yeah, let me open this back up. I just closed it all out. <laughs> I, I made my I made my picks and I was ready to run. You know, I was ready to take that championship home. I mean, come on now. Uh, you know what? Let's go in reverse because I was actually supposed to go last. Uh, Wait, real quick, because we gotta wrap this up. You know what? Let me get the best yeah. shot fake in college basketball. So Jabari Rice. <laughs> um, I'll take another guard just because I like him. I'll go Tyrese Hunter. Ooh. I'm going to take a guard as well also, and I think maybe nobody took him because he's injured, but I'll take Mike Miles. Oh, oh my man. God. How, How did, did we I forget Mike Miles? Oh, my God. I what thought you man. took him. Holy shit. What a six man that up. is. Yeah, you know, it's six man that's on the IR. Like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Corey, make a pick. Uh, uh, I can't even. Like, I don't even know. Just say uh, Gabe Coucher and take Kevin it. McCullough. I'll give you him. All right, Bill. All right, Dale. All right perfect. All right, well, I'm just saying if we ever did a coach, I'm picking Bill South, and that's the end all be. Also, kiss my ass on that. Well, I'll coach you with Bob Huggins, so it's all right. Nah, we're playing only in out. We're gonna pull a, um, a Kentucky and only play in out in Fieldhouse. All right, so let's. <laughs> well, I'm gonna hire former Big Twelve coach Larry Eustachy, and he's gonna fuck all your coaches. Well, if we're, well, hold on. If we're gonna talk about former Big Twelve coaches, Josh is gonna hire Bruce Weber. All right, so let's. Uh, that's the end of the show. 
Um, thank you guys for, so much for joining in. Phil, it's nice to have you back. Hopefully you'll be with us for a Sunday show and the rest of the shows that we do for the rest of the year. Glad to have you a cocksucking ass back. Um, Coy, kiss my ass. I always said the F-bomb wants this, this episode, so yeah, hey, suck it. I'm getting better. Um, I'm pretty sure Josh, there was a, 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 like a one and a half because I think it was partially out. And he kind of held up, so... I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining the show. Make sure you give the podcast a five-star review. Check out, we forgot to mention earlier, if you're in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana, go check out Beauty Beast Nutrition. If you guys need a boost for the day, go get one of those protein coffees or a boosted tea or even one of those protein uh, cookies. Go check out Natasha. She's uh, she's great at what she does, and uh, go check them out. Obviously, uh, everybody at House Enterprise, House of College Chiefs, check them out as well. And uh, we'll catch you guys Sunday. Thanks you so much for joining in. My name is Peyton. That's Josh, Phil, Coy. And we'll catch y'all Sunday or Monday, depending on what we got to do. Because me and Josh will be at Ohio State for the Ohio State-Michigan State game. And I'm going to kick uh, Tom Izzo right in the balls because I'm tired of playing him every damn year. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for joining in. And we'll catch you next time. See Peace, y'all. <laughs>